Hi, my name is Britton LaRue, and on this Moon to Moon, I want to talk about a variety of topics to, to the moment that we're in, and I'm naming this episode, The Cosmos is Not in Quarantine, which is a title that I really like because I just thought of it when I was composing a post about the importance of caretaking your joys right now and laughing if you want to and creating if you want to and inventing if you want to and lovemaking if you want to, being optimistic if you feel it and not worrying about other people's resentment or other people um, like being annoyed with you for being upbeat and holding your power in a time of change and crisis. Cause then I, and then it just kind of came out of my mouth like, yeah, cause the cosmos is not in quarantine. <laughs> so I, I want to take an opportunity to really like tease that out and explore this idea of like, why did that come into my head and how, see how from untangling that idea and talking it through in a variety of different ways, I might be able to explain some things about how I understand working with astrology and working with cycles uh, and working with the elements and working with a sense of belonging to the universe and, and, and belonging to nature and belonging to some sense of space-time consciousness that is much deeper and much larger and so much more wise than our cute little lives here in 2020. I think that the value in teasing this idea out for you, if you're listening, would be to help kind of like get a little above, get a little broader and expanded with, you know, within what might feel like a tight space because being in quarantine feels like containment. It feels snug. It feels tight. It feels like there's not a lot of room, you know? So physically we can benefit from putting our consciousness and our wisdom around the idea of ex of expanding beyond our physical quarters, but also like in our energy field, in our emotional body, there can be a lot of tension right now because we filled up so much of ourselves with emotions and feelings that aren't necessarily ours. They're collective. It's um, like everything you see and read in the news is in your nervous system. So unless you unpack it and, and move it out again and refill yourself back up with yourself, refill yourself back up with the elements, with earth, air, water, fire, unless you return home, there's like no room to like feel or think clearly, feel and think from your own inner truth because there's no room for it. These are real things that can happen. I've noticed it happening with myself. The days when I feel the most unsure, the most fearful, the most anxious, like not sure what to do with myself, I realize it's because I'm full of um, other energy that's not my energy. And I do no good to the world, to my daughters, and to myself, if I'm running on energy that is not mine. And so, you know, these are skills that we didn't learn in school. So, but you can simply by putting your consciousness on, like, is anything in my, is anything in my emotional body somebody else's? And then you can just imagine sending that away from your space. And then you can ask yourself if you have sent your energy anywhere outside of your space 
and you can visualize calling your own energy back into yourself. And just those simple visualizations throughout the day can like rebalance and recenter yourself to um, get back to what your joys are. Because I really, to get back to the idea of the cosmos is not in quarantine, we're moving on. Like the stars are still moving. Like the animals are out. <laughs> like spring is spring, you know, coming up. Flowers are blossoming. Like the world is still going on. The, 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 uh, the galaxy is still doing its thing. And so we can recenter with the cosmos to learn like, what am I supposed to be learning? <laughs> what am I supposed to be learning? And our intuition from a deep, calm, still place can give us a lot of information about that. Our birth chart can give us a lot of information about that. Uh, other intuitive practices that we use in order to hear our own deep, wise voice, like working with the tarot, can help us hear that. We can just simply listen to our heart and listen to what the heart wants in a given day. So I want to think about this idea then, the cosmos is not in quarantine. I really want to think about the idea that, you know, we are not separate from nature. But for the last few hundred years, with the Enlightenment and with the Copernican Revolution, and with the industrial re revolution and with modern capitalism and just the, the, the kind of progression of humankind in the last few hundred years, we have increasingly come to believe ourselves as separate from nature and separate from each other and separate from natural things and separate from animals. And this has had a great... Um, detriment to all of us because we've forgotten how interconnected we all actually are and that we're all part of these these cycles these cycles that keep going so a very recentering thing to do right now to me is to be inviting in deeper connectedness with those things that are more eternal with those cycles which are regular and more predictable and reliable the seasons the road you know the rising and falling of the sun the expansion and then the waning of the moon shape in the sky when we see it from the perspective of the earth with checking in with where the different planets are and what they might be trying to ask us from those different positions to help us live more radiant more wise more skillful lives and so by deepening into cycles and by deepening into nature and reconnecting ourselves to nature, we can remember that the cosmos is not in quarantine. Like we are just part of a, a little period of time of change among countless infinity numbers of times of time on earth when there has been a lot of change. And we can orient ourselves to this particular time as a liminal space, meaning a space outside of the normal, a space outside of that threshold of the pattern of our normal life. Like we have been asked to get off the train, basically. <laughs> like the train was just moving and moving and we were on it and we got, we got settled and like we are off the train <laughs> like the the train is off the tracks and this is scary cuz we're used to that experience of normal and we're used to that experience of our reality and we're used to the experience of a certain level of expectation about the future and about what we would be doing in that future but of course, nature is always teaching us that change is the only sure thing and everything is always uncertain and we always all already could die any day. And so 
we're kind of like being made to push our face into stuff that can feel really uncomfortable and really um, and really tumultuous and really churning. I think it's especially confusing and hard for us today because that train we were on was going so fast and like had all kinds of screens running, like keeping us entertained every single second so we wouldn't think about anything. And we were just like in the motions, like automatons. And the moment like we got uncomfortable about anything, we could immediately like turn on a screen or turn on something or go buy something or whatever. And then just like forget that we had pain, forget that we had a wound, forget that we felt an uncomfortable feeling, forget that we had an emptiness that we didn't know how to fill, forget that we have shame, forget, you name it, that the past happened in ways that we wish the past hadn't have happened. And so we've been able to numb ourselves and distract ourselves because of the particular structuring of the train. Now, not everybody could, of course. A lot of people have been very aware of their own suffering and have never benefited from that particular setup anyway. But for a lot of people, and and this includes most of the people that I um, interact with in my life, it was just sort of business as usual, like don't question it. And so right now, except for the people that are working their butts off to save those who are sick, the people who are doing essential work that, you know, we all rely on. And so those people are having a totally different experience of the reality than those who are in quarantine. And because that's not my experience, I can't speak to it with as much wisdom as I just can gratitude. But speaking from the position of quarantine, which is my reality, which involves my daughter's being home and involves being a small business owner whose income just suddenly kind of fell apart and like, I don't know, (laughs) I don't know, I don't have reliable income. I'm working with my own personal set of experiences that I can speak to as just a human being. And so what I was getting to is the sense that this time is bringing us like a, a slowing down, more spaciousness for the mind to um, have access to healing opportunities because without so much to do, the availability is there to be with the uncomfortable things that one hasn't been wanting to look at. So for people who've been in that work, like I've been in that work for many years now of like, deep, brave um, looks at ways that I have shame, have uh, self-doubt, have um, guilt, have self-loathing, um, my, all my fears. Like I've been deep in that already. So it has made put me in a position, I think, now to... Um, kind of just know what to do with myself and feel like I know how to protect my body better. I still think it's a really weird time and I'm constantly adapting. But for a lot of people, um, this is an abrupt stop to sit with parts of self that have really been trying to get your attention for a long time. And It can be very frightening to sit with those like demon parts of self or demon aspects of relationships or, or, or facing like emptiness or facing, um, discontent that you can otherwise ignore away. 
because of the pace of, of your life. And so I think, you know, this quarantine opportunity is a chance to go ahead and do that healing. And how to recenter there is with the cosmos, with nature. You can begin that process by inviting in the medicine of this liminal moment of being um, able to learn about yourself and integrate and heal parts of yourself that you maybe haven't been able to look at as closely. So how do you know, like, what can you, how do you begin to do that? You can begin to orient yourself to like, what am I learning right now? I love to always ask, what, what is coming up for me right now? And then I think about that mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. You could, you could create more categories if you want. You can find your way to make that unique to yourself. But that question of like, what is coming up? Like that, I feel like that's really um, useful. I think I may have learned that from Sarah Godestiner. Um, but it's kind of like a generic question, right? Like what's coming? What's up? That's <laughs> basically it. But it's incredible how often we don't want to stop and answer those questions. You know, just like, I can't, I can't think about that. I can't think about that. You know, it's like, well, why not now? You know, and um, like I've, I've caught myself this week with a f- that I had a fear that what if I can't adapt and be relevant with the changes? And, you know, of course I could jump in and be like, oh, don't say that. You're, of course you'll be fine. You know, but that's not really being honest to my fear. Like my fear is part of who I am. My fear is part of me. And for me to reject my fear as silly is like rejecting a part of myself. And so it's like, oh, I see you're upset. You know, I see that you're afraid that you can't adapt. And then you can swoop in. I like to say this like, imagining myself as like a child that I absolutely love more than anything in the world, like my own daughters, or like when I see photos of myself as a little girl, you know, and it's so like, oh, you can imagine putting yourself in your lap, just like, tell me about this fear. Tell me, you know, and just as you would calm the fears of a child that you love, You can calm yourself by really letting your fear talk to you. Like let your your worry or let your frustration or let this, the thing, the thing that's coming up, the thing that's coming up mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And you might even want to add there relationally because like for a lot of people, we're spending a lot of time with certain folks what is coming up relationally can also be, you know, really, really great just to like get to the thing, like get to the honest thing. And when I do that, it's like, there it is, got it out. Like just even airing it is really helpful for me to um, be able to like put it on the table and look at it. Ah, there it is. And if it involves someone else, then you can have the compassionate conversation around like, this is what I'm feeling. And begin to go from there. Um, because I, th- I really like the idea that this particular time for, for so many of us, I'd like to say for everyone, has the potential for massive, massive, radical growth in this liminal space. So in this incredible sound cloud recording um, by Martin Shaw, if you go to SoundCloud and look up Martin Shaw, the storyteller, he tells a story called We Are in the Underground and We Don't Even Know It. 
and this was from, I think, last fall. It was before now. <laughs> it's very uh, forecasting. It Every time I listen to it, I'm bawling, crying. It's so moving. But I, he does talk about the underground as kind of like a liminal space. And I like to talk about the underground a lot myself. I used to study the underground spaces both metaphorically and actually when I was... Um, getting my PhD, I'd write papers about the underground. Didn't know I'd eventually be getting into that as a psychological healing experience, but you know, we're always foreshadowing our future selves, I think. But he talks about the importance, right? He was talking about it last fall, but it works for right now, of um, really not being too doomsday and uh, of of really being in a time of listening. Listening so we can hear our heart speaking to us. Because what we're dealing with right now is this, is the, is the necessity of being able to truly hold grief in one hand, grief for actual tragedy that's happening, um, and grief for what feels like a life that we've now lost or a way of living that feels like, what if we never get it back? And then on the other hand, being able to hold wonder, wonder for all that you long for, wonder for all that you love, wonder for all that is exquisitely beautiful still, wonder for the amazing experiences that you have had in this life and that are still coming towards you even now and being able to really hold both hands um, in one like the reality of the grief and then the other hand the the jewel of the wonder and then letting emerge from there a kind of third way forward that will be the answer and I think I really love this idea of visualizing a, a new path uh, forward from this liminal space, from this space outside of the normal, being able to see a kind of n- new path emerging towards the horizon with you on it. And what do you want that to look like? Can you be open to letting some parts of yourself from the past just live back there? You can even decide which parts of those you want those to be. And then letting grow in your heart and letting grow in your mind's eye the parts of you that you, that you want to stay with you. Those essential, beautiful most dignified and full of grace parts of self that are inherent to all of us that you want to be resilient and that you want to persist and that you want to keep moving forward with you however the rest of it looks we can't always know and of course we hold grief and wonder actually all the time you know those who go through hard times or big losses, ruptures in their lives, they, they move through the rest of their lives knowing that life always has grief. It doesn't ever go away. It's a part of who we are. It's part of that tender, poignant part of being a human being. It's very fragile. And then therein is the wonder too. So for me, what I ground myself into is cycles. And the language of astrology helps me to understand these cycles. But it's not a dry science for me. It's part of a larger kind of cosmic sensibility that I have adapted into my life and that continues to evolve and grow. And I'm sure it'll be totally different as six months, 10 years from now. But from the position that I'm in now, which is my current truth, 
astrology for me is part of this like larger sense of reweaving myself back into the fabric of the cosmic and of nature. So I'm reading, um, and I quoted from this book in Fear is Not the Frequency, which was my first episode. Oh, they both, those, those titles have not in them. Fear is not the frequency. The cosmos is not in quarantine. Hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to meditate on what that says. Things that are not. Richard Tarnas's Cosmos and, and Psyche, Intimations of a New World View. And so I was underlining this week, he's talking about like the Copernican Revolution and how we began to, um, as humans, kind of separate ourselves from the cosmic consciousness that is around us, which was part of what he calls like the primal worldview. Or sometimes people might call that a primitive worldview, like our ancestors' worldview. Everyone has primal ancestors. So he writes, um, this therefore has become the looming question of our time. What is the ultimate impact of cosmological disenchantment on a civilization? What does it do to the human self year after year, century after century, to experience existence as a conscious, purposeful being in an unconscious, purposeless universe? What is the price of a collective belief in absolute cosmic indifference? What are the consequences of this unprecedented cosmological context for the human experiment, indeed for the entire planet? And on the next page... For is it not an extraordinary act of human hubris, literally a hubris of cosmic proportions, to assume that the exclusive source of all meaning and purpose in the universe, his italics, is ultimately centered in the human mind, which is therefore absolutely unique and special and in this sense superior to the entire cosmos? To presume that the universe utterly lacks what we human beings, the offspring and expression of the universe, conspicuously possess? To assume that the part somehow radically differs from and transcends the whole? To base our entire worldview on the a priori principle that whenever human beings perceive any patterns of psychological or spiritual significance in the non-human world, any signs of interiority in mind, any suggestions of purposefully coherent order and intelligible meaning, these must be understood as no more than human con constructions and projections as ultimately re rooted in the human mind and never in the world. Such questions. Then he asks, what is the cure for hubristic vision? It is perhaps to listen, to listen more subtly, more perceptively, more deeply. Our future may well depend upon the precise extent of our willingness to expand our ways of knowing. Above all, we must awaken to and overcome the great hidden anthropocentric projection that has virtually defined the modern mind. The pervasive projection of soullessness onto the cosmos by the modern self's own will to power. Cosmos and Psyche by Richard Tarnas. It's a, it's a quite a text. I will need a really long quarantine to finish this, especially because I fall asleep as soon as I start reading every night. But uh, I'm really glad for it in my life right now. Um, and I'm grounding into its wisdom as part of these larger wisdom systems that I'm very um, grateful to and trying to remember and uh, reintroduce myself to. So 
I, that is all part of this idea that I'm teasing out. The cosmos is not in quarantine. We're still part of this larger cosmic consciousness. And the invitation is to open into what it's asking of us right now. And so I did a tarot pull that I'm super pumped about. Um, Three cards. The questions, what is the medicine of the liminal moment? How do we receive the medicine? And what is the gift of the medicine? And I'm using the Mountain Dream Tarot, which is my latest deck, and I'm getting used to my relationship to it. So every time I pull, it's like I've never seen these cards before, um, which is a lot of fun. But so the card that came first was a card that that fell out of the deck when I was shuffling. It was like, oh, hello. And then it was the one that came forward in my tarot pull, which is what often happens. What is the medicine of the liminal moment? The Ten of Cups. So if you are in relation to the tarot, you may love to hear that already without me needing to say anymore. What is the medicine of the liminal moment? The Ten of Cups. So in this image, which is um, a photographic collage uh, that is a riff on the illustrations. All the cards are a riff on illustrations from the traditional Smith Rider weight deck. So here we see uh, a, a couple, a man and a woman, and their arms are around each other's waist, and then they're both pointing their fingers up to the sky. And then at the top of the card, you see um, a kind of skyscape with 10 chalices for the 10 cups. What is missing in this image is the rainbow that is uh, a big part of the um, Pixie Coleman Smith illustration. So what's great about this for this question and for like a talk about like the the cosmos is not in quarantine is the medicine of the liminal moment shows to people being in connection through what they're looking up at in the sky (laughs) which is pretty great as uh pollution clears our skies and we can see more stars at night lately so this is a card that to me You know, tens being numbers that suggest like fulfillment and completion um, through a journey of some kind. Here, journey through cups, cups being about our emotional body, our feelings, our feeling worlds. Ten of cups then signifying a kind of sense of having come to like a happily ever after. Um, But in this card, it's very clear to be about connecting through a sense of wonder It's something that's beyond the earth and something beyond the self. The medicine of the liminal moment is to be in wonder beyond the self. And it's moving from a place of feeling and it's moving from a place of wanting to feel in integrity with the cosmos, with wonder itself with what we love and with who we love and with what the point of it all is. Like, what do we want for fulfillment emotionally? It, it, it takes something like this to make some of that stuff really clear, you know? So it's a beautiful card uh, about embracing the present moment and embracing wonder and awe, awesomeness in the present moment and doing it, if we can, with others, doing it uh, also with our uh, other parts of self. Because for me in the tarot, the, the figures are always you. So when there's more than one figure, to me, I, I often see it as like those being just facets of yourself that you may see as um, fractals or fragments that you can re-weave um, back together again. So you can also see the, 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 man, the man and the woman in this 
image as a representation of like you with you, you loving yourself uh, and seeking, seeking through stars, seeking through clouds, seeking through the skies, a sense of wonder in that process of radical self-love. I could say much more about it, but I'll also hold you to your own feelings and uh, keep going. How do we receive the medicine? Well, then what came was Nine of Swords. Nine of Swords being a very different energy. In Nine of Swords here, we see a woman under a blanket on some kind of divan-like couch who's hunched over, uh, prob- like crying or, f- or um, distraught and hovering over her all of these like old-fashioned, like fencing-looking swords. And again, it's a riff off the Pixie Coleman Smith illustration. So this is a card that to me is about uh, working with our inner monsters, working with our inner fears, working with what wakes us up in the night and gives us nightmares. Um, the nightmare card. What is, how do we receive the medicine? The nightmare card. So that really comes back to that idea about caretaking yourself like you would a child that you love. Because I always think about with this card, like, you know, I have children who um, both have um, fears at night. And, you know, it's an interesting process how to soothe a child that is afraid of something that you know is not going to happen. Um, because to them, it's very real fear, you know, so it's really hard to like rationalize around the fear or like debate it. Usually when I debate it, it ends up being a total disaster. Like I end up getting frustrated. She's getting frustrated. I'm not helping at all, you know, and that's really when I'm just like annoyed and I just want to go to bed. What helps is when I just really hold the child and just stay present with the fear and just stay present with that and, and try to bring them back to the present moment. Um, try to um, first let them know that I love them, like meeting them at that tender place with my love and patience and then kind of uh, return to the present moment rather than that projected future that's so frightening with like questions about things that happened in the day, laughing about something that was funny earlier, like recalling things and kind of pretending like I'm not doing it to caretake her. I'm just kind of like randomly thinking about these things. That's when it seems to work that there's like a a calm is restored by coming back to the present moment and um, feeling like it's safe for them to have the feeling um, and not debating with the feeling. And so that really, this card really speaks to like how to receive the medicine of wonder and awe and and interconnectedness and self-connectedness there's going to be a journey here around caretaking ourselves and holding ourselves with a deep hug and and I love you to the the inner child that is quite terrified for, and coming back to the present moment as you can to caretake the fear so that you can go back to sleep And so I think that that's probably very present for a lot of people right now. It's just like how to deal with the kind of nightmare feeling. And um, a lot of that has to do with calling ourselves back from the future. I did this exercise with a group that I hold on Tuesdays on signs, having like conversations on signs. Right now we have a living Aries conversation going on Tuesdays at noon central which I'm kind of plugging by saying that, but 
it is true that I brought this up in the Tuesday group that um, we did a little meditation and I asked everyone to ask themselves how, what percentage was in the future and to like call themselves completely back into the present moment and just get totally in the skin, totally in the body, totally here, consciously, not in any future, just here. And it can be really empowering to call ourselves back from the past as well as the future. So I'm sharing that as a way to work with Nine of Swords. And then the gift of the medicine, the medicine being coming into awe and wonder with like what we love here in this life. What came is two of pentacles. And in this image, it's a young boy and he's holding two like frisbee looking things, which are, which is a riff off of the original illustration. Um, and that this card is a card about balancing through chaos. He's on one foot, one arm is up way higher than the other. In the original illustration, there's rolling water, ocean in the background, which is always like a signal that things are like rollicky and wild a little bit. And so to me, this is a card about balance. And so, you know, to get to the balance, to get to that sense of, um, what will help us feel more upright and realigned will be moving through some of that fear in Nine of Swords and learning how to caretake ourselves better. And the more we're better at caretaking our fear, the more present we, we can be with what we love and, and what we find wondrous about our lives. And ultimately, the gift is greater balance. The idea of like, I only have two hands and thus, you know, I can only take, take these two things in order to stay in balance. Oh my God. And now I'm remembering how earlier I was talking about holding grief in one hand and fear in the other. And the third way emerges. Oh my God, isn't that beautiful? <laughs> yes. The gift then of the medicine is not only balance, but it is the third way, the third way forward out of holding grief in one hand and wonder in the other. You can't make this stuff up. So that was the tarot medicine. Um, so what I want to do now is talk about something that's very much on my mind right now, and it's an extension of everything that I've just been talking about, which is the opening of this class that I'm starting, Charting Your Course. I've never taught this before. I've been asked to teach a course about chart reading, but I wasn't ready. And I'm, I'm super pumped and I'm, I'm very terrified. That's okay. I, I, it's that kind of like nervous-sided feeling. My daughter um, told me once she was nervous-sided, nervous and excited. <laughs> and I really live well in nervous-sided. As a little girl, I was a child actor. I was a competitive figure skater. I've always like been a speaker, talker, like lecture halls. Like I, I do well with that feeling of like, um, nerves uh, that propel me to like create and um, get to a point of like the only way to calm the nerves is to be is to feel really good about it you know to feel really good about what you're doing and so I've been deep in um, dreamland in my mind and in my heart for like what I want this journey and what I want this experience to be like it starts Wednesday, April 22nd, and it's going to be a series of modules. So the first module is really going to be a deep rooting into the, the building blocks of the language of astrology, but 
it's more than just an astrology class because it is very much infused with this language of like the cosmos is not in quarantine. It's infused with an invitation to participants to basically move into like an initiatory space where you accept that this journey as something that will change you and evolve you. And um, because what, why? Because you're inviting the cosmos and you're inviting nature into your being so you can remember that you are nature and you are cosmos. <laughs> um, it's so exciting. Module one, like if you just read it on paper, a lot of people may be like, I already know that. Like I already know about the signs and I already know about the houses, you know? And you may wanna like wait until I do a later module. But the problem, the thing is like, we're gonna be grounding so deeply into this initiation that I'm not gonna let people join. Like you, you'll just have to wait until I do it again because a huge part of what we're doing here is creating community. So at any point, someone can say, I think I got what I need. I don't need to go anymore. That's why I'm doing it in modules that are um, five weeks, five sessions in a row with homework material in between where you're doing your own personal growth work. <clears throat> and so it's going to be at least six or seven total and we'll take breaks in between like a week or so off in between. And then people can decide if they want to recommit themselves to the path, to this path, which I truly see as like your own personal initiation journey into something um, you're, that to becoming something that you already are, but you're just, you have to remember it. Does that make sense? So, um, you have to start at the beginning in order to keep going with this group because a lot of what we're doing is building a community. We're going to be in our vulnerabilities, you know? Like, this is the, one of the big things for me about this experience is that I want to create a quote-unquote homework. I want to create opportunities for participants to come into their own knowing or gnosis, or is it gnosis? I've always, I'm, I'm kind of known for making up my own pronunciations. <laughs> G-N-O-S-I-S, -S, I believe is how it's spelled, gnosis. It's like when you come into your knowings, because a lot of what's freaky with astrology for some people is like, I can't memorize all that. You know, it's like, this is not about memorization. It's about coming into your own knowings that no one can take away from you. Once you know each sign, once you know this language, it's yours because you like wove together your own knowing about it. And so that's the kind of stuff that it's going to be about is it's going to be very intuitive and about cultivating an intuitive connection to the astrological language. So this whole first module is really going to be about that. We'll start getting into the personal chart towards the end of module one and then really be digging into it starting with module two. But we have to have this, this foundational initiatory period of deep, profound connection on a personal and intuitive level with the language itself, the symbolic language, which has something for you to, and then you bring it to the class and you bring it to the group each week, your knowings. And so what I'm wanting to do is like really be a facilitator and a guide for your own knowings rather than the expert who tells you what astrology is, you know? I, I very much know that. I mean, I've only been doing this a couple of years. I, um, I have thousands of charts ahead of me to keep evolving my understanding of astrology, but I'm a teacher first, and I know that how to facilitate 
learning so that it, it's generated in the participant rather than being handed from me. So it's a style of learning, more like problem-based learning, if you're familiar with that term. That will be what I'm leaning on. And I'm going to be giving lots of resources for people to keep going for their own education because I think it's really important for people to not have one guru or one teacher. Like there's lots of great people out there and I don't want to be the only person that people are turning to for learning about astrology or learning about cycles, you know. I'm I'm a student of all of it and I think that I'm probably... Ultimately, you know, my ego doesn't want to hear this, but I think that I'm really here to bridge people to themselves and to bridge people to others rather than for me to be like the big sun, you know, sun king on the mountain. <laughs> you know, it's, that makes me laugh. Another big thing that we're going to be doing in this class is thinking about um, building intuition and building, learning how to build neutrality. Working on neutrality is really important for energy work and for self-healing. How to de-charge things so that we aren't triggered. This is huge. It's a huge thing that I'm about. And... This is not going to be a class about learning how to read other people's charts because the first thing you have to do is face your own. And people can be really afraid of that. People can be really nervous about what it says. And I really want to guide people into seeing their chart as like a best friend and to decharge it from fear. And that's, I think, a huge thing to try to offer the group. So that's one of my main goals is um, learning how to decharge the chart and approach it as a toolkit for your liberation from narratives and old stories that are not helping you. The chart shows the way toward, shows where we may have self-limiting beliefs and gifts that we don't even recognize so that we can learn to love ourselves better in the present moment and rewrite stories that we are over-identifying with. Those are, that's huge what I just said. So uh, I have pretty lofty goals for like my end of the story. Of course, everyone will be bringing their own, um, their own level of responsibility with it. But what I'm really wanting and I seem to attract people who are willing to do this, is I'm really calling on people's highest selves to bring to this great reverence, great curiosity, great compassion for this to be a huge experience of growth and also for it to be maybe more than anything, a beautiful community. Like I just really want the highest and best from people as community members because we are talking about our own charts, which is like, can be a very vulnerable thing. I I draw and attract people who are great human beings and who are courageous about um, self-inquiry and who are articulate, creative people who are seekers who want to become more skillful at being themselves in ways that are loving. And so I'm excited to see like who constellates together around this group because hopefully most of us will be in it for a lot of this year, module by module. And I will be recalibrating it and I will be dancing with the feedback that I'm getting from the participants because it's like a collaborative a collaborative journey. It's a collaboration where I want to answer to the desires of the people who are uh, investing in it for themselves. So 
The cosmos is not in quarantine when it comes to charting your course. (laughs) So yes, the way to learn a bit more about the class would be to go to my website, brittonlarue.com, and there's a thing at the top, charting your course. If you go there, you can read about it, and you just click the button to enroll, and I'll get you set up with the pre-course email material, which is just designed to kind of like set your mind and set your heart to this journey. And um, it's going to have tarot as a part of it. So I am asking people to have a deck. If you don't have one, I encourage you to get one if you want to sign up because we'll be talking about the tarot enough in the class that I think it's just would be good to have your own deck. And um, yeah, I have a bunch of stuff in my pre-course email for people who sign up. Thank you for considering that. Um, and way to be in my community without investing like that would be to join my Living Aries Conversations on Tuesdays. Just to get the Zoom link for that, you just sign up for my newsletter and it comes with my newsletter every week. It's going so well that I want to just keep doing this like indefinitely every Tuesday, like Zoom meeting. We're just going to, we're having a conversation about uh, Aries now, and then it will be Taurus and then on and on and on. And there's so much to say, like you could have a whole week long retreats on one sign at a time. So these conversations are really just opportunities for people to witness each other and to share and to connect over our love of this language and desire to learn more about it. So, and of course, um, most people who sign up for those conversations are people who've bought the workbook that I put out with that sign. So the Taurus workbooks will be here from the printer this Friday. I don't know the date. It's like the 8th the 17th or the 18th, they'll be in my hands to begin shipping to people. So you can go to my website now and get your pre-order Taurus so that you can be my first trip to the post office to get your Taurus workbook. And the I still have some Aries workbooks if you're interested. They're for all year. They're for all of us. They're not written for sun signs. They're the idea is that we have all 12 signs in our chart and by embodying each one better, we feel more in flow and more radiant and more full of our purpose. So they're my great, they're my sweet babies. So that's what I have for you this week. Um, I, that's not all actually looking down at my notes. <laughs> um, I, I did want to share Um, I'm recording this Easter afternoon on the 12th that uh, this may be a a hot week. I don't want to scare people, but the sun is going to be in a 90 degree angle to the part of the sky where um, a lot of the tension and the quote unquote difficulty of 2020 is in Capricorn. So the sun will be illuminating um, illuminating that tension. And it, because Mercury is now in Aries too, it could be a hot week in terms of discord, um, arguments, tensions, um, anger, people who've had enough. And, uh, Just keep an eye out for that and decide for yourself what boundaries you may need with it. Um, For yourself, for your personal self, things I might suggest for this week would be to make clear requests. Number one, make clear requests. This is an inside joke I have with my beloved um, because I've, you know, learned the hard way about like, my old style was always to like um, drop hints for what I wanted <laughs> or like try to mind vibe somebody what I wanted and then be like disappointed that they didn't give it to me. <laughs> well, that's not very skillful. I've now learned 
So we have a joke about making clear requests, um, but it's actually like a huge pillar of our strength as a couple because um, there's no like gray area. It's just like, listen, I would really like, duh. Well, what I would really like is da da da, you know? So it's like, there it is. Now you can't control if they choose to honor it, but if they don't honor it, well, now you have some information but at least you did your part in making your request clear, you know? Like the reason I think it used to always be hard for me is because I don't like confrontation and I don't like fights. I've always been someone that just like starts crying uh, with fights. Uh, this is my old, this is an old story. It's not my present time story. But uh, I think that if you make clear requests this week, it will, well, always, but like in heat, it's good to um, be direct. Uh, you have to be willing to disappoint people, right? That's what I was getting to before. I was always so afraid of, of confrontation. You have to make clear requests. I've learned I have to be willing to deal with my fear of disappointing people or displeasing people. Like, because I'm worried they're not going to like my request, you know? So... My advice is just, it's better to be direct, I've now learned. So people have no problem with that at all, right? Of course. But because I've been one of the people who do have a problem with it, that's why I think I can speak to like trying to help you um, feel more courage with it. Aries, courage. Uh, this week, I highly recommend that you get outside and you exercise or like take a walk. You know, if things get... Uh, frustrating, just like go, just walk out your door and go for a walk around the block. Do whatever you need to do to like move your body, jump up and down, exercise, release energy out your body if you can, if you're able. If you can sweat, all the better. Um, I would say this is a good week to identify like who are the people who call me Whose company calms me? Who relaxes me? Who's not triggering? Who gets me to laugh? Those are your peeps this week. Um, avoid people who get you triggered. Avoid people who piss you off. Avoid people who um, are abusive in their communication. Uh, so thus, watch out for people who pick fights. Watch out for that in other people. Notice it in yourself. And also, if you can have sex, um, consensual sex, uh, and release energy that way, it'd be a great week to do that because that, that built-up tension can create a lot of discord too. So... The idea is not contributing to discord, how to be non-harmful, right? How to deal with frustrated energy in ways that will ultimately not cause any harm. <laughs> this is working with Aries skillfully. That's the goal. This also might be a week to like really boundary up the news. Like how much do you actually need to know? If you're staying in anyway and you're doing what you're supposed to do anyway, how much do you really need to know? Does anyone even know anything? <laughs> like, if you can just do it, shelter in place, and avoid the news completely, maybe that would be a great goal, especially Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then um, if you know your chart, you could um, put some attention on the houses where you have Aries and Capricorn, what part of life those represent, and maybe put yourself to journaling or put your imagination on. Like, what is anything present right now that, is, uh, that speaks to tension between those parts of your life? And how might you... Um, Get those two parts of yourself to sit down and have like a romantic date, you know, where they're like wooing each other with what an amazing partner they're going to be. 
<laughs> and, and like, just imagine that, like create a fiction uh, story, like creative writing project, you know, like what, what, what is needed for those two parts of who you are to fall madly in love with each other right now? Do they need to have a little fight first? Like, do they need to make some clear requests? You know, I'm not even joking. This is how we work with the chart. So uh, if you know your chart and you think that might be helpful to you, I would definitely invite you to think about doing that because it could be really, really helpful for working with the energies this week and to like, this is the way I like to think about it, Cosmos is not in quarantine, to um, answer the call of these teachers. Like what are these teachers, these planets trying to help you see? Like what, what is the homework assignment? What is the um, project-based learning project that you're on? And, um, and of course, like I, I'm laughing at myself because I see everything as like school-related. And of course, I presume that that's fun because I am a total nerd for, for learning. But like how can that be a project that you want to do really well on for yourself? So... I'm wishing you all the best this week. Call on cobalt blue color whenever you're feeling hot. Take those um, bits of advice if you need them. Um, I hope you feel an invitation to listen. Listen to nature this week, this rising of the sun, the falling of the sun the stars in the sky, the calls of the birds, the budding of the flowers. Be in listening to invite in your more primal self and your primal connection with nature and the cosmos. And I hope that you found anything helpful in this episode. The cosmos is not in quarantine. Check out charting your course if you are feeling excited about that. Many blessings.